This morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. I see in this verse four sermons. We're only going to preach one this morning, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll notice in verse 30, it says here, But of him are you in Christ Jesus. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Isn't it good to know that you are in Christ? And that Christ is in you. Amen. So we're not trying to be in Christ when we get saved. We're immediately put into Christ and Christ is put into us. In Christ's truths are revolutionary. When you find out who you are and what you have and what you can do in Christ Jesus, it will literally change your life forever. But now notice with me, it says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Four things there. Now this morning, in our second part of our series, Jesus Is, I want to talk to you this morning on Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is your righteousness. As we center in on Him, I believe that the eyes of our heart are going to be flooded with light. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would, and verse 21. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, and the 21st verse says, For He has made Him, that's God made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us with our sinfulness. Now, everybody in the body of Christ agrees to that. Otherwise, they would have never opened up their heart to him. Amen? Would you agree that he became your substitute? He became sin with your sinfulness. All right? Now, but many people struggle with the second part of this verse. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There are people that will say, well, I'm trying to be right. I'm doing my best to be right. Trying to be right isn't what this is talking about. You have been literally made at the time of the new birth, the righteousness of God in him, giving you right standing before your heavenly father as if sin never existed before. The privilege of coming boldly to the throne of grace without a sense of guilt or fear or inferiority is what Jesus has done for you. Say it with me real strong. Jesus is is my righteousness. So we don't want to just accept half of that verse. We want to accept the whole verse. Because this is in fact a package deal. I mean, just like F.F. Bosworth said, that Jesus went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body, to redeem mankind, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad that just as he was made sin for you, he took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, diseases on Calvary's cross? That's such good news. And the neat thing about it is God does not make us make a choice between the two. He says it's a package deal. If you'll come to me by faith in the blood of Jesus, it all belongs to you. Amen. Amen. And so he made him to be sin for you. 
who knew no sin. Oh, glory to God. I'm already preaching myself happy. Oh, amen. Amen and amen. So this righteousness of God that is available to you is accepted and it's received by faith. In Romans, the third chapter, for example, in verse 21 and 22, it says this. But now the righteousness of God without the law, without a bunch of works, without a bunch of trying to be good and trying to keep up. How many of you know none of us are that good? But now the righteousness of God, it is a without or apart from the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And I like how he says this, unto, uh, unto all and upon all. In other words, God's no respecter of persons. Any person that will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Anyone that is currently addicted to drugs, if they'll just turn their hearts toward God and call upon Him, they can be saved. Any person from a religion that is non-Christian, if they have a heart that's open and they'll call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. It doesn't matter whether they came from a Satanist church or a Muslim church or whatever the case may be, whether they've worshipped Buddha for years and years and years, if their hearts turn to Jesus, they will be saved. It's unto all. And it's upon all. And I'm so glad I found that out when I was 24 years old, when my life was a mess. Glory to God. He took my life, which was a mess, and he gave me a message. He put me, hallelujah, into the kingdom of God. And he's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he will do for all. But it's by faith. Now, in in Romans 5, verse 17, you guys listen so good. Romans, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. Notice this. For if by one man's offense, of course, that's speaking of Adam's transgression, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, number one, abundance of grace. Remember, we're not under the what? We're under grace. Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign when they all get to heaven. No, it doesn't say that we're going to reign when we all get to heaven. It says we're going to reign in life. In this life, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So righteousness is a gift. And too often we've associated righteousness with good works. The Bible does teach good works, does it not? We should do good works. But good works don't get you into the kingdom of God. It's a good God. And it's receiving a good, good God. Amen? You know, if good works could make us righteous, we wouldn't need Jesus. Good works don't make you righteous. Once you're born of God, you ought to be doing some good works. But good works don't get you into the kingdom of God. Only faith in Jesus gets you into the kingdom of God. And there's a big difference between self-righteousness and the gift of righteousness. Self-righteousness boasts in and of itself. But the gift of righteousness can only boast in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's just raise our hands and thank Him 
for the finished work. It is finished. It is finished. And now, Jesus is your righteousness. And now, you are complete in Him, who's the head of all principality and power. Amen. So it's not of works, lest any man should boast. And then other folks have thought that we need to kind of grow into some state of holiness, or we need to grow into some state of righteousness. Well, thank God we can grow in the Lord, right? We can grow in the fruit of the Spirit. One big fruit of the Spirit we all need to grow in is the love of God. Your love walk's going to get challenged often. But if you'll learn to let the love of God on the inside of you dominate you and not be flesh ruled, but rather be spirit ruled and let the love of God flow through you, you will see this love increase and abound more and more in your life. Amen. You know, another fruit that needs to be developed in our life is joy. Amen. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. Amen. And, and, and joy, you know, is expressed in different ways, in different fashions, and in different manners. But joy is a powerful spiritual force that lives on the inside of you. And it grows and it develops by feeding on the Word, and by praying in the Spirit, and by shouting unto God. And counting it all joy when you fall into a different test, temptation, or trial. So we can grow in the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I look at myself in the mirror sometimes, I think, you dog, you, you need to grow up. You need to grow in love. You need to grow in peace. You shouldn't let this be bothering you. You need to grow in the joy of the Lord. How many of you join me? How about this one? How about some long suffering? Do do, do, do Do we all need to grow in some long suffering? You bet we do. Now, we can grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We can grow up. We can grow spiritually. But, you know, righteousness is a gift. And you will never be any more righteous than you are right now. When you get to heaven, you won't be any more righteous in His sight than you are right now. Jesus is your righteousness. It doesn't depend on you. It depended on Him. All that is you're responsible for is say, Yes, Lord, yes. I believe it. I receive it. I don't deserve it. But oh, thank God, your mercy endures forever. Say with me, Jesus is. He is my righteousness. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These are liberating truths today. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and the 17th verse. Familiar verse of Scripture. Our text, but of him are you in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creation. A new species, one translation says, that never existed before. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Another translation says, Behold, the new and fresh has come. Never, ever existed before. And I've written this in my notes, and I love this statement. 
The reason a man in Christ is something that never existed before is because Jesus, in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, did something that had never been done before. <laughs> Woo, man, I just heard the organ. Glory to God. He did it all. He paid it all. He left nothing undone. He said, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. God raised him from the dead. On your behalf. And you know, as well as I do, that God does not make any unrighteous new creatures. That'd be an insult to the work of God. Many Christians don't know what righteousness is. They just don't know what it is. You ask them, are you righteous? They say, well, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. Well, I was born November 5th. Write that down. 1930. No. I was born November 5th, 1950. I'm 66 years old. I'll be 67 years old. Are you planning on retiring? No, I'm planning on refiring. It's kind of funny. The other day I was golfing with some guys. I go out on golf courses now and then because I need a little break. I like to go out there and breathe. And I am a hack. I'm a lousy golfer. But you know what? I don't care. I just don't care anymore. And usually I end up golfing with guys that are retired. And the conversation always usually comes around, are you retired? And I say, no, I'm not retired. I'm going to work and work till Jesus comes back. Amen. Amen. I'm not interested in going to the house. I'm not. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not interested in going to the house and just sitting there and waiting for the rapture of the church. I'm interested in preaching the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to talk myself into liking what I do. I love what I do. Why? Because I love him and I love his family and I love his church and I love the world. Hallelujah. Somebody says, what's that got to do with your message? Well, just hang tight. I was born November 5th, 1950 to John L. Thomas and Francis Ann Thomas at St. Mary's Hospital near the University of Minnesota. I don't remember what time of day it was. I wasn't cognizant of it. (laughs) But one thing for sure, when I came out of my mama, they quickly identified me as a male. And today, you're looking at 150% man. (laughs) Pastor Tom remembers that one. I'm not trying to be a man. I am one. Ingrid's not trying to be a woman. She is a woman. People... We must stop trying to be righteous. 
I was born a man. You were born again. You were born into right standing with God. It's not something you strive for. I didn't come out of my womb and say, hmm. Well, we're not going to go there. All right. Stay in the spirit. You're born that way. You're born that way. You may feel as unworthy as you can. You may feel that way. But don't live by your feelings. Your feelings are fickle. Your feelings are going to change from day to day. Sometimes from moment to moment. That's why we need to be planted as trees of righteousness. In the house of the Lord. In the revelation that it's not because of me. Everyone say, it's because of him. We need to raise our hands again and say, Jesus, you are my righteousness. This revelation of him being your righteousness gives you a sense of belonging. You belong to him. He belongs to you. Many of us have flown over the years, and I normally end up in economy. But I know through that, uh, that curtain that there's something else. And it's just, it's astounding, man. You, you get on there, you know, you're back in row 25, but you get on, and the first class people are already eating and drinking. And you kind of look, hmm. Wow. But you're back there and you want to see what's going on. They get treated better. They get preferential treatment. I want you to know that there are no economy class Christians. There are no second class Row 25, row 39, near the toilet. Christians? Come on. We are not second class righteousness. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you did last night. You are first class righteousness in right standing with Him. You are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. And you may never get... A seat in first class on American Airlines. But you are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So walk around acting like he is something else in you. Acting like you're a child of the king. And begin to reign in life. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, but people have said this about me and they've said that about me, Pastor. I I just get so tired of people saying things about me. Stop listening to what they say and start listening to what he has said. 
And if you'll just open up your heart to truths in God's word about who you are and what you have and what you can do in Christ, it will change your life forever. Hallelujah. One of the greatest benefits of reigning in life through Jesus Christ is he's given you boldness. He's given you boldness. In Proverbs 28 and verse 1, I want you to look at that verse if you would. Proverbs, the 28th chapter, in the first verse, it says that the wicked flee when no man pursueth. But the righteous, what are they? The righteous are bold as lions. Now, along with being put into right standing with him... He's given you the privilege of the authority of the believer. We are not to be dominated in life. We are to dominate in life. We are not to be pushed around by some little evil spirit, pushed around by some ungodly people. We are not to be intimidated by Satan, any of his cohorts, or any of his emissaries. We are the bold as a lion, and we have authority in the name of Jesus. And this authority of the believer, if you will exercise it, this kingdom dominion, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. How many of you got some things that need to be bound? How many of you got some things that need to be loosed? Well, you have the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom are yours to release what needs to be released and to stop what needs to be stopped. You've been given authority. You've been given boldness because you are the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody. In Him. Now, E.W. Kenyon defines righteousness this way. Right standing with God. The ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of guilt, inferiority, or fear like sin never existed before. Now listen, since we have that privilege, don't you know that we can certainly stand in the presence of our enemies and take our place and take our dominion? Hallelujah. Say it with me, I'm bold. I'm bold as a lion. Now, because Jesus is your righteousness, it enables you and me to reign completely over condemnation and guilt. Over condemnation and guilt. Because He is your righteousness, you can have confidence that He has forgiven you of all your sins. And you can begin to see judgment and condemnation All of it fell on Jesus. And coupled with this freedom from condemnation and guilt, it gives you the ability to draw near to Him without any fear at all. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12. Lord, thank you for utterance. How many of you are believing with me today? Glory to God. Let's just have some praise. Let's take a praise break right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So no more drawing back in fear, but drawing nigh without fear. Drawing near, coming boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. That is what will cause you to triumph in this life. No more drawing back. But yea, saith the Lord, draw near, draw near, draw near. And you will see in your life that as you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Hallelujah. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Ephesians, the third chapter, the 12th verse says this. In whom we have boldness. And I like this word and access. Access. With what? With confidence by the faith of him. Access to what? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 10. I'm glad you asked. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 19th verse. Glory to God. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, what? Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus has been shed and you are in right standing with him, you now have access into the holy of holies. You have access into the very presence of God. Amen? Now look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews the 4th chapter and verse 16. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come, how? Remember this, the righteous are bold as a lion. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, not under law, but under grace, that we may obtain mercy and that we might find grace to help in what? I'm telling you, the holy of holies and the very presence of God is your getting place. It's your receiving place. It is the place where you can get help. It is the place where you can obtain mercy. This place, this secret place, this place of grace that he has made available to those that are right in right standing with him is a place where there is no lack, where there is no shortage, where there all of the things that you need, hallelujah, are there. Somebody shout amen. amen. So, don't let condemnation keep you out. Don't let guilt hold you back. Romans 8, 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The truth of the matter is this, you've been made worthy by Him, and He has qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. Drawing near. Drawing near daily. Not just when you have a need, 
but drawing near to the throne of grace just to fellowship with him. You'll find that when you do that, he will so saturate your very being with his power and with his presence that you'll be able to face anything with the sense of more than a conqueror. Listen, Jesus is your righteousness. And because he is, this means that you have no fear. You know, he gave you this gift because of his love for you. Amen? Now, this love, wherewith he loves us with, brings us to a place of absolute confidence and absolute no fear. No fear. Look at your neighbor and say, no fear in this place. No fear here. Now look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. God loves me. It'd pay you rich dividends to walk around all day long someday and say, God loves me. Love loves me. My heavenly father, he loves me. Hallelujah. Keith Hershey says he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. Now, when this reality, when this becomes real, 1 John 4, 18 will happen in your life. Look at this. There is. How much fear is there in love? How much fear does your father have? He has absolutely no fear whatsoever. He is not on the throne today. Wringing his hands and worried about how they're going to pay the note on the pearly gate. He's not worried about what's going on in the Middle East. He is not upset about what he sees going on in the earth. Why? Because he has zero fear. And when you understand that his love is on the inside of you, you will then also have zero fear. You will not have to look at tomorrow wringing your hands. You will not have to face your future with a sense of anxiety, but you can face your future with a sense of, hey, my father loves me. He came through for me last year. He came through for me 10 years ago and he'll do it again. He'll do it again because he's faithful. Look at this. There is no fear in love. But what does perfect love do? Perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Look at the amplified version of that real quick. Amen? The amplified version of 1 John 4.18 says this. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, amen, full grown, complete perfect love, turns fear out of doors And I like it, expels every trace of terror. No fear of terrorism. No dread in this love. No dread in a person who understands that he is my righteousness and everything going to be all right. Amen? There is no fear in love. Amen? Isaiah said this. He says, when you are established in your righteousness... 
in your right standing with God, that you will be far from oppression. You will certainly not be afraid. And you will be far from terror. Amen. How many dads we got in the house today? How many granddads? How many grandmamas? How many moms? Now, a loving father, a loving mother, do not want their children to be fearful of them. That they're afraid to talk to them. I can remember when John was about 16 years old, he had a terrible car accident. He was just devastated by what happened. And he totaled out our automobile. They were out doing some things they shouldn't be doing. They were teepeeing houses and out driving around in the middle of the night, acting like big shots. And he wasn't drinking or anything like that. But uh, he went across this place, and this car just came and just almost completely mutilated them. He left that car without a scratch. But I can remember... A few weeks later, he was feeling pretty bad about it because he knew that they were out doing some things they shouldn't be doing. And the friend that he was with got hurt a little bit. And I can remember him coming into our bedroom and just laying on the bed. We could tell something was wrong. And he just opened up his heart and he poured out his heart to us, talking to us about what happened. He was feeling bad about it. Now, as a mom and as a dad, we always had an open door policy with our kids. Anything that they needed to talk about, anything that they needed to discuss, we said, we're here for you, we love you, we're not going to uh, intimidate you or anything like that. We just want you to know that I'm your dad, she's your mom, and we love you, and our door is open to you. Now, recently, our little granddaughter, she's eight years old, she lives down in Culver City, Uh, she goes to a, a public school, and she was quite nervous about her who her teacher was going to be and she had her heart and her mind set on a certain teacher and she also had her heart set on one of her friends to be in her class with her how many of you know that sometimes kids can be mean on the playground some of you might have been some of those meanies but she was troubled by it and she talked to her mom and her dad about it But she's got a great relationship with both of us, especially Grammy here. And so they talked in those sweet little innocent eyes and and just opening up her heart and pouring out her heart to her Grammy. Saying, I really want this one teacher. I don't want to go to school if I don't get him. And I I really want this, you know, all this to work out and everything. So what do you do? You pray. You pray. As a mom and dad, as a grandmother and a grandfather, be open to your kids. Be open to your loved ones. And pray. And pray. Praise God we got the report that she got the right teacher. And she got her friend in the same class. I guess Grammy's prayers work. Well, that's scriptural. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. Kids are so precious. Kids are so important. And you know what? You are his child. You may be 75 years old, but you are still a child of God. You are his son. You are his daughter. 
aren't you glad that when you call unto him, you don't get a busy signal? Come on, somebody. Call unto me, and I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to show you great and mighty things which you don't know. I'm so glad that his ears are open to the righteous. Come on. That's what 1 Peter 3.12 says. You're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. So draw near to him. And somebody says, well, how do I talk to him? Do I, do I say, Heavenly Father, thou art God. Thou art the almighty Heavenly Father. Stop trying to impress him with Elizabethan English. No. You talk to him just like you talk to your best friend. Just lay it out before him. Tell him what's troubling you. Tell him you need some wisdom in this area and that area. Just be honest with him. Tell him, quite frankly, Lord, I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there? Where you just didn't know what to do? Well, thank God you can go to the rock that's higher than you. You can call upon him. His ears are open. His heart is open. You're his son. You're his daughter. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Jesus, Jesus, you are my righteousness. I have no fear. So I boldly draw near. And then lastly... Because he is your righteousness, you have zero inferiority. Because you've got right standing with God. You don't have to feel inferior to Satan, any of his cohorts. You don't have to feel inferior to anyone on the job, anyone, anywhere. Yeah, but they've been calling me names. Don't let the world call you what God has not called you. I'm not moved by what other people say. I'm moved by what he said. Labels. 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 The world's got tons of labels that they will try to attach to you. But thank God you have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And there is not one inferior son or daughter in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. You are not rejected. You are the accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when I got off of drugs, you know, a common thing that, you know, that they would say is they would stand up and they would say, hi, my name is Mark and I've been sober for two days and I'm just one drink away from just going crazy. (laughs) And I thank God for AA and I thank God for NA. Amen. And I did an AA and NA for a period of time. But there came a time where I realized who I was in Christ. And I could no longer call myself a recovering drug addict. It's worked for me. I've been free for over 40 years. But my freedom did not come through the world system. It came through the kingdom of God. It came from finding out who I was in His sight. 
So for me to stand up in front of you today and say, Hi, my name is Mark, and the last time I drank or did drugs was December 18, 1974. But I just want you to know that I'm just one snort, one shot, one puff, <laughs> one drink away from going back to hell. I'm not going to do that. No, my name is Mark. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm born of God. I've got world overcoming faith residing in the inside of me. I've been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Any questions? No, don't misunderstand me. If you're in a program, work the program. But more importantly, work the Word. And get the Word in you. I don't believe that a chair can be your higher power. Hi, my name is Mark and my higher power is cannabis. Nothing like that is your higher power. He is the most high God. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. And he is the most high God. And he is the highest of the highest. So understand me, I'm not putting that down. What I'm doing is I'm eliminating from that from my life. And I'm lifting up Jesus in my life and what he's done for me. You understand? Don't let the world name you what God has not named you. And more importantly, don't start calling yourself what the world's called you. Don't call yourself sick when God calls you healed. Don't call yourself poor when God says you're rich. Don't call yourself worried when God says you've got the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen? And guess what, guys? You do not have to walk around this life trying to impress anyone. Because I'll be honest with you, most people could care less about you and they are flat not impressed. I'm talking about outside of Christianity. You don't have to try to attain acceptance from any group. You're already accepted. You're accepted in Christ. Look at Galatians 2.20 in the message translation. I promise not to go an hour longer. And that's how you lose people. You go too long. I got some preachers I could talk to about that. <laughs> Galatians 2.20. <laughs> Somebody shout glory. glory. Guys, I'm doing my best today. I hope you're listening good. Amen. If I were you, I would get both messages. I'd get the 9 a.m. and I'd get the 11 a.m. Because there's some things that come out in the 9 a.m. that don't come out in the 11 a.m. And vice versa. I'd get them both. Notice this with me. Christ's life showed me how. And enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God and I will save people as well. Read the rest with me. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Woo! Glory to God. Say it with me, no guilt. 
no fear, no condemnation, no inferiority, but boldness because Jesus is my righteousness. Well, hopefully you got something out of this today. Amen. Glory to God. Every head bowed and every eye closed.